Oh, all right. Yeah. Three, two, one. Welcome in the uh, Wife in the Red podcast. That's our working title this week. Uh, I like that. We're we're, we're in a period of transition right now with what we're going to call the podcast. The working title is Life in the Red. Could change, might not change. I guess you'll just have to keep tuning in to find out. I'm Chris. There's Parker. There's Steve. We are live. Well, as of right now, we're live. We're not going to be live when you listen to this, but it's 421 p.m. Thursday afternoon, Lincoln, Nebraska. We are nine days away from Husker football. We are one day removed from the report coming out that Nebraska is involved in NCAA investigation into the improper use of analysts uh, in its coaching, uh, on the field coaching. Um, I've called it bombshell report. I guess you would. I don't know. Surprising report, but um, a little too much analyzing going on. Little too much analyzing going on. Trev Alberts and Scott Frost came up and met with the media briefly yesterday, Wednesday, uh, after practice, before players and assistants spoke with the media just to address the situation, basically presenting a united front. Didn't answer a whole lot about the investigation, what was going on there, anything like that. Can't. Can't. Because, as they say, it is an ongoing investigation. So, couldn't say a whole lot about it. But, yeah, that was the... The news of the day, of course, in Lincoln, Nebraska yesterday, and now I guess a little over 24 hours later, here we are. We're trying to kind of sort things out and see what see what might be next as far as this thing goes. When I lean in, um, it's because I'm the blender's going, and I got to kind of struggle to hear you. But Sipple's at Scooters again. This yeah, Sipple works at Scooters now. Yep. Sipple lives at Scooters. It's, it's, a fairly, it's a fairly nice existence, I have to tell you. I don't There's worse ways to go. You know what would be hilarious is if one of our dedicated podcast listeners can figure out what scooter's location you're at and then just like sidles up next to you next week during the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we don't like want to get into the hey, are you guys, Are you guys recording a podcast? <laughs> no, no, sir. We're not. I, I keep a very low profile. I'm in a back booth. Um, so there's no, I, I'd, I'd say most, nobody knows I'm here. It's like I'm <laughs> It's like you don't exist. <laughs> right. It's like I don't exist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The bombshell report. What was, what was Parker and you saw it for, well, we probably saw it simultaneously. What was your reaction? Well, I think it's, I mean, the thing that it, at first I was a little bit confused as to what was actually being reported. Um, and then it, and then I guess let's, we can take it piece by piece. The, the active NCA investigation, I don't know about you, Sipple, but like, I don't, I don't mind admitting that I had not heard a single word about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. Um, I had neither. And I don't know what if that's, it's sort of, I don't know what our readers think of that. Baz, have you heard, had you heard anything? Yeah, I heard all, I actually knew all about it a couple of weeks ago. I just didn't say anything. <laughs> figured but, but what, I want it to be a surprise for you guys you know I thought it'd be a fun little nugget to have <laughs> yeah, after it yeah, okay, it, was stupid. it wasn't the best question I should have you, you consulted it. you consulted with Brett McMurphy <laughs> yeah I, I was actually <laughs> at some of the workouts last winter last spring uh we were all unmasked and breathing on each other <laughs> it was a really bad question it was a yeah it was I just wanted to get it out there that you were in the but, same boat I guess I guess yeah, what I, I'm getting at <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at though is like I don't think that was beautiful. Yeah, you guys didn't oh, yeah. know? Yeah, you didn't know that? Yeah. 
I guess what I'm getting at is that there's a lot of things that happen, especially things that are not um, like that are what well, I guess what you would call like negative stories. Like when Luke McCaffrey transferred, there was this sort of thing floating around for like weeks and weeks before that about like, is he going to transfer? Is he not going to transfer? There were people posing as if they knew exactly what was happening. There were people that, and they didn't. And then there was people that, you know, like there's always this, it's around here, at least it always seems like there's sort of like, you know, there's, you hear bits and pieces of things and all that. And you're sort of always sifting stuff. And this, the, the investigation itself, the analyst thing really was like clear blue sky, more or less. Um, And so it was sort of unique in that way. And then you sort of start, start, start trying to put it together of like, okay, what does this mean? Uh, we're obviously, you know, t- then t- talking to people, working sources, all of that. And you're, you're trying to sort of put it together. And I think, I thought it was very interesting that of the three elements of the story, uh, the first being the investigation into the, you know, improper use of analysts, the second being um, the, um, the, the practices that were held uh, last spring during COVID um, and then the third being the Oklahoma fiasco and Frost role in that, the the active NCA investigation was like the least talked about of those three. I just found it very interesting how it all sort of. Unfolded. Well, you guys and Baz, Baz is, I mean, he's been around a little longer than you, Parker. The NCAA stuff, the NCAA comes in and does investigations of schools fairly often. Yeah. There's minor violations at schools all over the country i'm not suggesting these are minor but it but but it's not i just want to so people understand in the nca can investigate a school without us knowing anything about it and it happens a lot yeah 100 okay. yeah that's yes that's yeah. true yes things that don't that, that don't even rise to the level of new news you know it, that's just the way it is now this i'd say duh <laughs> I guess it does, um, but as I wrote yesterday, it does particularly when a coach is under some degree of fire, um, when he's you know when he's a high-profile coach, especially a high-profile coach that's got, has some pressure to win. Um, then, then I guess it becomes much more relevant. If he was, let's face it, if Frost was twenty-six and six right now, and there Bill Moose was still the AD and everything was running smoothly chances are we never would have heard this uh yeah maybe that might be true although if it ends up being and we'll see what the ncaa finds but if it ends up being a level two um violation normally that gets that you know the ncaa will put something out about its findings and so i think this is one to me is probably one not guaranteed would the ncaa put it out if nobody asked Normally they release findings for level two and level one. Okay. So, okay. But not for, le- and, and it, but it depends. It depends on the exact nature of what the findings end up being, uh, you know, and certainly I think you're exactly right. Simple. I mean, certainly the uh, extenuating circumstances around the program itself and around Scott Frost and just the 12 and 20, I think, you know, informs a lot of the conversation on this, right? Um, He's vulnerable. I mean, yeah. I think what, what 12 and 20 does is create vulnerability. And it, and a place like Nebraska, it, it's it's not a good place to be vulnerable. Um, 
because there's a lot of people that are interested and um, it's one thing to be vulnerable at UTEP um, and it's another to be vulnerable in Lincoln. And that's Frost is really vulnerable right now. And Baz, vulnerable in El Paso was the name of my country album from a couple of years ago. (laughs) Just to be clear, you didn't know about any of this, right? No, I knew all about it. We've already covered that. Um, I helped run the, the workouts last spring during COVID. Zippo's planning on being vulnerable in El Paso for his entire retirement. <laughs> in my 60s, will be spent in El Paso. Very <laughs> vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, so then, so simple, then it, 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 gets, it gets sort of interesting to where the, yes. the way that the, it was reported, the way the story came out, it sort of puts all of the local reporters and then I, and definitely some national folks too in this position where not only are we then reporting on an NCA investigation, but then this, this other stuff too, to where I guess there were a couple of new elements of reporting added to territory that we've already sort of covered, right? The off-campus workouts last spring and the Oklahoma fiasco. And it just all sort of shaped up to be, I thought your column sort of hit on this, that whether or not it turns out to be a very impactful day in terms of the NCAA and potential sanctions, it felt like an impactful day for Frost at the, at the very least. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's um, at the very least, it's a distraction. It, it, and it, I mean, you know, it depends. I don't know. It's sort of an awkward conversation. If you're a Frost supporter, you might look at it and say, oh, yeah, he's being aggressive. I mean, he's using analysts and consultants, much like they do in the SEC. Um, Nice work. If you're, you know, and it's, you know, and if you're getting investigated, that's just a byproduct of your aggression and deal with it. If you're, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Our friend froze up on us. Columnist. He was just getting ramped up, too. He was, too. He was about to launch into it. Technical difficulties at, at scooters. This is what happens when you fly by the seat of your pants uh, doing the remote yep. podcast. Sometimes you run into issues. He's deep, but he's, he's, he's very far into the life in the red. Yeah, he, well, he's yelling at his computer right now, thinking we can hear him. He's ensconced in red. He's... He's cloaked in red, cloaked in red, and now frozen indelibly on your screens. If you're frozen, frozen in amber, cloaked in red, yeah, Um, fossilized in red. (laughs) Did you just kick him out, Parker? No, no, it's no. His internet must have gone out, so we'll he'll join back in here in a minute. I I, just to pick up where he left off. I, I could sort of tell where he's going, and we've talked about this. Like, if you're not a frost supporter, then it's like another then it's like another log on the fire, you know? Yeah. And, and if you're, you could look, I think you can look at this either, either way. Then from the sort of, uh, you know, relatively objective standpoint, oh, there he there is. We go. There he is. Oh, there he's he back. You're back. Yeah. Every so often we lose connection and we're back. Okay. Well, every so often we lose connection. It can be one of the songs on Baz's album, Vulnerable yeah. in El Paso. <laughs> that's the first single off the album actually so so simple we, we heard as much of your 
the beginning of that thought process as saying your aggression, much like the SEC, if you're a Frost supporter. Yeah, if you're a Frost supporter, you might spin it this way. Yeah, he's being aggressive. You know, he's he's putting out more coaches, allegedly, um, to coach up the guys. So this is all sort of allegedly at this point. Um, and he's so he's using yeah, – he's trying to get more coaches on the field to coach the guys, you know, like they do in a lot of places, particularly probably in the SEC where it's – pretty standard practice. It's pretty standard practice in basketball too. I talked to one former coach yesterday who was a mid-American conference school and they just, the coach told him, look, you're not supposed to be coaching, but you're going to be coaching. It, it's just, it's fairly standard. And now if you're, if you're in the anti-frost camp, if you think that he's not the right guy, you can use this to illustrate sloppiness. This is just like the penalty issue, Steve. He he's he's been sloppy, and this is an example of his sloppiness. I was getting text messages from guys during my show saying that. So it just depends on what camp you're in, and it's it's not such an egregious matter that it can't be spun. You know, it can be spun. You know. Yeah, yeah, it can. I, it can be. I think it's interesting because there's. You can, um, I think, fair minds until the NCAA makes some sort of decision, whether they don't find anything worth penalizing or if they find a very minor, you know, if they if they have, you know, Brett McMurphy's report said they have a lot of video evidence. So if you if there's an instance or two where an analyst is is coaching on the field and it's really not, you know, there's it's not like there's hours and hours of it. That's one thing. If it's rampant, that's a sort of a probably a slightly different conversation in terms of what the result yeah. of the investigation might look like. Or maybe they determine it's it's there's just not enough there to do anything with. So in the meantime, you're gonna get those sort of varying opinions on how bad this is. Um, certainly, like someone was asking me about Arizona State the other day. It's like that's a lot different. I mean. Talking about yeah. you're talking about flying kids in in a dead period and hosting them, hiding <laughs> them in a suite during football. Game. Like there, there's a real conspiracy there. It's like <laughs> working them out at a park. Yeah, right. Um, right. It's, it's a little bit. It's a little <laughs> bit different than that. I think we can agree, and I think we can also agree that if if they get hit with sanctions, no matter how minor they are, that's not good. You know, no. Like Nebraska at this point, like they need all the help they can get. And so like Michigan a few years ago had to decrease the number of off field staffers that they had. Um, and they lost some recruiting hours and they lost some practice hours. Like the, those mar those are not margins that Nebraska wants to be losing on, you know, that doesn't mean it's the end of the world, but it's not, it's not great. It's sort of like talking about Turner Corcoran missing some practice time during camp here, right? Like, is it the end of the world? No, it's not the end of the world, but you can't say it's a good thing. You know, no. he's a young guy who needs the reps, needs the experience and he's not getting it. So if something is taken away or limited, you know, by the NCAA in all of this, there's just that part of it. There's no way to the outcome. There'll be no way to spin that. It's good unless nothing happens. Um, or maybe if it's like, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's all. I was gonna, that's what I was going to say. I mean, but okay. The other part of this too is like it. The Illinois game was already a big game. Now, how much does that get ramped up? 
You know, bigger, there, there was, you know, it was bigger and, and it was already big. And it was the first case, first game of the season. Now, you know, you talk about distractions, whatnot. What if Nebraska goes up there and lays an egg like they did last year against Illinois? And, you know, gets beat by a couple scores and is never really in the game. Well, I guess it was a distraction, wasn't it? Coaches distracted. They've got this thing over their head. Now what? So there's there's that part of it, too. And if Nebraska goes out there and, and plays well, wins by a couple scores on their own, then it's the exact opposite. Well, these guys are able to put it behind them. Maybe it's not that big of a deal and, and yada, yada, yada. So yeah, it was already – we already heard guys – have heard guys say like, this is the biggest game of the season for Nebraska right out of the shoot. They have to to perform well. And now you throw this on top of it. Not that this has anything to do with what's going to happen on the field, but just another, another layer that you got to add to this, this trip to Illinois. Yeah. It's really now that part of it, that that will the team be distracted? Won't maybe it won't, maybe it will, who knows? It's really that kind of stuff I have found over the years and our roles is hard to read. I mean, I just like people ask you and we I think I sometimes sort of pretend like I know. And then I kind of stop myself and like, look, I don't know that. I don't know what the locker room's like over there. Never been in it. I'm not I don't spend appreciable amount of time around the team. Who knows how they'll react? I mean, over the years, you try, you know, you try to gauge it with people you talk to. And it's it's sort of hard. Teams have different personalities. They have different leadership dynamics what you hope is that the players will be relatively unaffected. But the thing I wonder mostly is will frost be distracted? I mean, at the end of the day, that's the leader. That's the leader. I mean, he's the, he sets, he's got to set the tone. Now he can't really afford to be distracted. Uh, Or he can't, he can't, when he's around his team, he can't be distracted. So it's, it's a real, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how he handles this I mean, I have to think that a good leader can handle something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I have to think that. No, no, no. Go ahead, Parker. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting point. And it's one of those, it's, it's sort of like a, you know, every, it's like you say, simple, every team has different, different leadership, uh, different, every team has a little bit of its own personality as a group. And we've seen, I guess you would say over the past, not just three years, but I've, this four, I've covered four years on the beat. This will be my fifth. You know, we've seen different layers of shortcomings in that regard over the past few years, right? Where there was sometimes like 2017, obviously, it just felt like that team was beat halfway through the season. Uh, yeah. Last year was a little bit different. You know, last year they were able to sort of – they got it going a little bit and then they didn't handle success very well. That was one of the things that Frost talked about was like be Penn state turn around and play terribly against Illinois the next week. You know, you, you, you beat Purdue uh, and, and, and you turn the ball over, you know, four times and then you lose in Minnesota, you know, you, you turn the ball over early against Rutgers, let them hang in that game. So it's really, it's going to be very interesting to see what sort of temperament comes out. Not only, would you think that the that it's possible in this regard, perhaps for the players to avoid being distracted? It's not probably affecting them day to day very much. Some of them, uh, based on the report, perhaps were interviewed at some point, but that could have been months ago. Um, right. So then the next question is like, do they play with a little bit more motivation even because well, of Well, maybe that? here's the thing. I, I know we talk about feelings a lot. 
some of this has got to be rooted in game plan and preparation. Hundred percent. Yeah. If if you feel as an as a football player, a, any kind of athlete, that you're well prepared, then you're more confident. If you feel like the game plan is strong and we have an edge, I we feel like we have an edge going into this. That's going to take care of a lot of the the issues we're talking about. How do they feel about their head coach being investigated, um, the way it's affecting him? A lot of that is determined, some of that is determined by just what the coach in, puts in place for you, you know? Yeah, I mean, right. in, in game plan, if, if you feel really good about the game plan, yeah, we got a good plan. Um, that, that can help a lot, you know? I, I just, I think the conversation in some ways can't be all about feel. It has to be rooted in something more stable sure but the kid but the kids also the kids have a better idea than anyone else outside of like family i guess about where coaches whether it's frost or assistants or whatever like about where they're at i mean they spend so much time together especially this time of year um yeah those guys are gonna sure. know, those guys know if a coach is dialed in you know mike dawson talked about that a couple of weeks ago about just the importance of always showing your kids that you're engaged and that you know what's going on and that you're on top of your stuff. And so that's a, and if you see that, I feel like if I, if I was a player, which I'm obviously not, but if you saw your coach was embattled in some way, whether it was this or, you know, um, some other sort of problem or whatever, and you saw that they were, had their head down and they were grinding and all of that. Like, I think there might be an added layer of motivation to that. Sure. Absolutely. This guy's especially if you, yeah. Especially if you feel like that you're well prepared. hundred percent. Yeah. But yes, yeah. that's yeah. And if that's the sort of a second element of that is yeah. that not only are you no, not only do you see that, you know, someone who you care about is going through something, but also despite that they're fighting for you. Absolutely. Like, that's someone, I, you, I, that's somebody can go to yeah. work with covering this program for 25 years, I've thought about this a lot. Being a head coach would drive me crazy because so much of what you do isn't about winning that Saturn. Right. It takes you, being a head coach takes you so many different places that don't involve beating Illinois. You know, you got to, it's why Rick Neuheisel one time, I heard Rick Neuheisel talk. He used to go to the office at 4.30 when he was the offensive coordinator head coach because from 4.30 to 7, he could concentrate on football. And then when 7 a.m. hit, all hell broke loose. Deal with parents. Deal with – you might deal with an NCAA matter. You might deal – God only knows what you're dealing with, with 150 guys. And, and then, then, you know, he couldn't really focus on football. It would – I don't even know if I could do it. It, it provides it, – the, the last uh, 24 hours or, you know, 30 hours or whatever it's been – Provides a little uh, interesting wrinkle on what Scott said in, in uh, well, I can't remember if it was Indianapolis or the first day of camp when he said, I, just, I want to coach football. You know, yeah. I, I don't yeah. want to deal with all the other stuff. I want to coach football. Well, yeah. there's been now, some now days. Yeah. 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 Now, yeah, in this world now, what are coaches dealing with? The NIL, a lot of that. Maybe they don't. Probably different ones do it at different levels, but. There's a lot that can distract you. I, I think it'd be just funner to be a running backs coach. 
Well, maybe unless you're Ryan Held and you got a bunch of freshmen in your running back room and nobody's a real proven starter or anything. I don't know how much fun <laughs> that would be. Should we, uh, should we talk a little actual football? That seems like a good transition point. Is this, are, are, yeah, I think we're ready for that. Are we? Yeah, I think we're ready for Are you ready for yeah. some football? Hey, we're... <laughs> Baz is working at a high level today. He is. He is. I'm lost. He's, working, he's working through his fatigue very well. Well, it's like you got to lock in a little harder, you know, when you're trying to push through some stuff. He's living life in the red. Yeah, I'm living life in the red. Not what battle. struck you yesterday, Baz? What struck you yesterday? It was a pretty – it was actually like our super newsy day, like outside of the outside of the, the NCAA stuff, which was kind of – Kind of weird. We got um, we got Matt Lubick and we got uh, Greg Austin. Uh, both guys usually pretty good for some some sound bites. And you know, a couple of things came out of that. One, Matt Lubick said they're going to be healthy at tight end for the Illinois game, which um, yeah. you know, compared to last week at this time when that was maybe a pretty big question mark. You know, that's that's good news for Nebraska. If that means they're indeed going to have Travis Vokalek back, and I thought Lubick had the the quote that kind of make you, made you chuckle where he said, um, if Austin Allen misses a practice, it's not the end of the world. And he just kind of goes like this, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And, you know, then um, same thing for offensive line. You know, Greg Austin talked about Turner Corquin. Looks like he's going to be ready to go for Illinois, you know, and, and that's a guy that's kind of been in and out, battling some stuff, you know, left tackle there, bat, being deemed up a little bit, but, Seems like, seems like, from what we heard yesterday, that Nebraska is going to be in a pretty good spot health-wise going into this game. Which, obviously, like Parker said earlier, you, you need all the help you can get, and you've got Turner Carcran available, and if you've got Travis Volkolek available, yeah, two guys going to play a lot of football for you that you maybe didn't think you were going to have a week ago. Yeah, see, what I found, what I find sort of interesting is it seems like they've had a good camp, and they, even a good camp from the standpoint of no real serious injuries. Yeah. I mean, we, we thought for a little bit that Vokalek might fall under the category of serious. I'm not sure I'd say that right now. They, they had The thing about yesterday that was interesting to me, me is I, I had felt like they were actually generating some degree of momentum in this camp. And then that, new, that news hit <laughs> kind of a curious time. Maybe somebody else felt like they were getting a little too much momentum in camp. You know, <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> so, it, I think they've Put had a, a pretty foil hat here. You need to sit at scooters with a tinfoil hat on. Yeah, I like tinfoil. It's a good look for me. The, I, I, but I, yeah, it's yesterday was it was newsy from a football standpoint, mostly good newsy. Yes. It was, yeah. I think so. Another one of the interesting elements we we touched on just a little bit was the running back group, and I, yeah. you know, the early on, like in the spring, you know, there was a lot of talk about uh, Gabe Irvin and sort of the first impression he made, and I think he'll. I mean, it seems like he'll be involved at some level. Um, Marquis Step, that was an, like you're saying, simple. Another piece of good news when camp started that Marquis Step was further ahead than than yeah. maybe they thought he was going to be. Um, yeah. But the last couple of weeks, there's really been a lot of buzz from the coaches about Savion Morrison um, yeah. and the way that he reworked his body in the offseason that he committed to, you know, he talked a couple of weeks ago about going to bed earlier and eating healthy and all these things that have, have helped him uh, get back to, he, he felt like, he said he feels back to 
what he felt like when he was a senior in high school or even better. Um, and that was, I mean, he was one of the most electrifying running backs, certainly in the state of Oklahoma and really in the region um, for Edison High School. Um, when he was his high school career, he rushed for more than 5,000 yards. Um, and so that picture is really interesting to me. Like, I don't know, I don't know if they're going to be really good, solid, average. Like, I don't, I, I, it's hard to say until you see it with your own eyes at, for a few weeks uh, what you think of that group. But I find it, I find that to be a very intriguing trio. And then we'll see who else can get in the conversation. But that, that trio of Step, Irvin, and Morrison is, is very, I'm, I'm, I'm very, of all the things that will be great about being in Champaign next weekend and watching and covering a football game, I'm very interested to see what the running back picture looks like. Please allow me to add some context. Let's do it. Here's some context. Okay, they're playing Illinois. Last year, Illinois saw a team that the leading rusher for Nebraska was a wispy quarterback, Luke McCaffrey, who ran who ran 26 times. My God, I forgot about that. Yeah, he ran 26 times. The second leading rusher in that game for Nebraska was a minuscule slot receiver who was thrown into running back duty because, because Diedrich Mills was sidelined. Yeah. He ran six times for about 60 yards. Um, that's what that's what Nebraska had at running back last year for Illinois. Oh, they the, the nothing. They basically had nothing yeah. at running back. Well, I shouldn't say that because Wondell was a pretty good running back who, who wasn't really a running back, though. Right. You know? They had they, the, so their best stats. running back was a five foot eight slot receiver. Yeah. So McCaffrey ran 26 times for 122 yards. Wandale Robinson ran seven times for 60. He was the second leading rusher. It's got, they're going to have a lot different look at running back than they did against <laughs> Illinois last year. That plays into something else Craig Austin said, too. He's asked about the run game. He said, I'm excited to showcase it. Like the, and he was talking yeah. about the, the downhill part of that, which has been touched on over the last couple of weeks here and how that might be a new element in this running game. And he talked about, he wants his guys to be confident, you know, and you've got to, you've got to be confident in what you're doing. And, and he feels pretty good about their ability to, to run the ball downhill. And he talked about it being an attitude. He had, he had a great quote yesterday, which reminded me of when I drive you guys to um, various locales around the big 10, he said, there's no greater joy than taking a man against his will from point A to point B, which is how I feel when I'm driving. <laughs> yeah, you've been doing that for a few years now. Yeah, so it's like when you try to get simple to go out to, for dinner on Friday night on the road. It's always <laughs> against his will. It's against his will. But yeah, not again. It's going to look different because of what they have in the running back room. And it's going to look different because of what seems to be an attitude shift in the way they want to run the ball. You know, yeah. more downhill, more physical style marquee step with the with the great quote last week they want to get that blankety blank going downhill you know yeah. so yeah and if they come out and establish that that's another reason that makes this Illinois game so critical I think they can establish an identity right like you can come out and establish you know what we're gonna line up and we're gonna play power not maybe not power football in, in the traditional sense but play downhill football and be physical and run right at you right powerful now, here's the question here's here's the question Okay, they're talking about it. Will those words turn into action, or will That's they just see? Yeah. Or will they just? What's the word for it? Revert, revert to past tendencies. You know, it's the running back conversation is interesting because it appears they now have the running backs to 
to perform like they're talking about. We don't know for sure, but it, it seems like they do. And then the other side of that equation is, what if Nebraska is as good as, oh, our colleague Sam McEwen is of the mind that this could be a, a, a rushing defense. It's a top 15, top 10 rushing defense. Now, I don't know that I'd go that far, but you know, allowing he, he thinks they could they could be a rushing defense that allows three yards per carry. I mean, that would be incredible to me if that happens. Especially like in the last few years. Yeah. What is what if that's the picture? Wow, Nebraska's running the ball and stopping the run. That would be way different hello. than what. Yeah, it'd be way different. We'd be saying hello. But Parker, you have said, don't you think Parker their their strength is up front defensively? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's probably their deepest. People talk about the secondary a lot, and certainly they have a lot of experience back there in Markel Dismuke and Deontay Williams and Cam Taylor-Britt. Um, but, I, yeah, I think the defensive line – the defensive line should be perhaps the best position group collectively on the roster, offense, defense, or otherwise. I mean, it's – they've got seven guys that they feel good about playing. Um, they've got at least a couple in there who have this sort of projection left that – you know, they have the chance to be really disruptive players. Now, we haven't seen that fully from Ty Robinson or from Casey Rogers, um, from Damian Daniels. We've seen it in flashes from each of them. Um, but that's the next step is, is any of those guys challenging to be that sort of, you know, game-changing player up front. But even still, by the second half of last season, and frankly, for most of the season, they were relatively stout against the run. Um, they just... They went from they, they, they're big enough, they're rugged enough to stand up and, and hold their own in the Big Ten, I think now it's safe to say at this point. And then last year, they've just played for the most part pretty fundamentally sound. Um, and so like the, to simplify it, the challenge this year is to play fundamentally sound and then also make the big plays, you know, and that's where, you know, yeah. they, they did a really good job of bottling stuff up. For the most part, those guys were where they were supposed to be. The linebackers was the best we've seen um, in the past few years about linebackers being in the right spots, filling the right holes, preventing big plays, making sure tackles. Now can you create big plays on top of just being, you know, where you're supposed to be? Yeah, they only yeah, they only what what how many turnovers did they produce? They forced seven, two seven, fumbles and that's five seven turnovers. turnovers in eight games last year. Yeah. Yeah, that's not enough. That is just flat not enough. And they had 13 sacks, which in eight games isn't very good, especially think about Indiana at 25, Iowa at 22, um, Nebraska at 13. You can't have Indiana doubling you up in that category. So, yeah, they, the explosion is explosive athletes. They're not, they're not loaded with that. They're, they're, I think they're pretty good across the board, but you don't see a first-round pick. You know, no, you don't no. see a, you don't see a, I, I, would, I can't identify a lineman like Malik Collins that someday might sign a $6 million contract. That may be, but he's not, he's not readily identifiable right now. Yeah. All good stuff. All accurate stuff. Um, anyway, else we need to touch on before we get out of here? Let's simply get back to his 14th cup of scooters. You know what? I've had three cups of coffee in an hour. My God. In an like hour? Yeah, but yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. I just drained one. Jeez, Louise. You speaking of, dra- speaking, of uh, speaking of draining one, 
Baz, are you gonna get the uh, are you gonna get the the shoulder bag like Kize Tomonaga had while he was drain we got off the plane and was draining threes over at the our guy Kisi walks off the plane, walks into Hendricks, knocks down five three pointers in a row, hanging a satchel over his shoulder. Uh, You're kidding me. No, they got a, there's there's video of it up on the Husker basketball Twitter account with the satchel over his shoulder. Yeah, he's got Hoiberg rebounding for him. He just walks in baseline corner, cash, 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 five in a row. Hoiberg stands there like this. And Fred like, couldn't up? even do. Not even Fred could do that. I don't think. No chance. I'll tell him that the next time I see him. Fred Dipple says you couldn't make five in a row. Dipple says you couldn't make five in a row from the corner, Fred. Prove him wrong. <sighs> So, yeah, little little ways off from hoop season yesterday, but Kisei's in town and he's getting buckets already with a bag on his back. So there's a satchel on his shoulder. That's, that's a satchel on his soldier. That's that's the that's a that's another song on my album. Getting buckets with a satchel on my shoulder. <laughs> that's from Vulnerable in El Paso. Do out this. Um, all right, guys. In El Paso. On that note, we're gonna wrap it up. Um, the uh, the Life in the Red podcast working title. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.